right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Higher Journeys. I am your host, Alexis Brooks, and I am so glad that you decided to join me today. If you happen to see my interview back in March of this year with Daryl Anka, the channel for Bashar, you will undoubtedly know that this was a most revelatory discussion, so much so that uh, this particular uh, interview has north now of 300,000 views, and I think for good reason. We talked about, or I should say that our discussion was based on a channeling that Daryl had done back in uh, December of 2019 with Bashar, in which Bashar, let's just say, presaged what would invariably occur in the months to follow, as we all know. But I want you to know that Daryl Anka and Bashar are certainly not the only sources that we have had and continue to uh, to learn about that had some very, very powerful um, messages, channelings in some cases, visits that revealed that something very, very dynamic would be unfolding in this year. Terry Lovelace, a name you might know, particularly in the uh, ET contact spectrum, is one such individual. We had Terry on the show uh, about a year ago. Terry is a former lawyer, assistant attorney general, and more recently an author, and most importantly, an experiencer of what he learned would be lifelong contact with non-human intelligence. I wanted to have Terry on for this particular show at this particular time because he is, as I said, one such individual who had and continues to have very, very powerful information coming through, uh, beginning for him, I would say, earlier in 2019 that would talk about, again, a very, very powerful time in our human history, a time that he loosely refers to, or I, I should say uh, adamantly really refers to as the great shift. We've heard that term before. I'm gonna have Terry share the story with you about a visit that he received from, I'll say, non-human intelligence back in, I believe it was April of last year um, and, and I think a subsequent, it may have even been later uh, toward uh, the end of the year as well, that gave him the message of what we would be going through and that we would literally be living in a new world. There are a lot of things that Terry revealed in this particular episode. I knew it was going to be a great discussion, not the least of which is the role that non-human intelligence may be playing in the shift that we're going through. If you've watched my show before, you know this is something that I have been probing intently with some of my guests to get a, a gauge as to whether there is some nexus that we can draw between the times that we're going through now and those who have had particularly uh, lifelong contact uh, with, we can say, ET very loosely. Uh, what role are they playing in this? Not necessarily the triggering of the event or certainly not the cause of it, but what are they experiencing along with us? What do they know? So without further ado, let's go to the show. You're gonna hear from Terry himself. You're gonna hear about the message that he got as well as others uh, about 2020 and beyond and what we're, uh, what we're heading for. So buckle up everyone, it's gonna be a great show. Terry Lovelace, what a pleasure and what an honor to have you back after no coincidence, nearly, uh, not nearly, exactly a year, almost to the day. Uh, no coincidence at all. And 
my oh my has have things changed it's still hard for me to find words when you juxtapose pre-pandemic to now and i'm using that as the marker so difficult to reconcile how different things are and you know you and i obviously uh, were off the air talking uh, for quite some time not hard for us to do we haven't caught up in a while yeah but I think you know, and my audience both know that I have been intent on really digging into the esoteric significance of what's happening right now, because I have an inkling, I have a strong inkling that what we're witnessing on the exoteric or surface le level is bubbling up from the esoteric or the invisible level. You and I have spent some time just off the air, uh, talking about some of the precursors to what's happening right now and messages that some of us have gotten. We're going to talk about that. You've got some incredible story stories, journeyers. I am so anxious for Terry to share with you some of the high strangeness that precipitated what we're going through now. And I knew it existed and I know it exists. We're also going to talk about ET contact within this context. Uh, I just had uh, Michael, Reverend Michael J.S. Carter of Ancient Aliens fame on the show last week to get his weigh-in on what, if anything, has ratcheted up in terms of contact encounters during this period of time. He didn't have a lot to say about it. We, we had a broader discussion about uh, these two very strange realities, both with non-human intelligence as well as the pandemic. But you, on the other hand, have a lot of juice to share a lot of uh, very curious things that happened to you as well as others uh, prior to, uh, you know, the, the lockdown, I guess we call it loosely, uh, as well as things that are happening now. So without further ado, Terry Lovelace, welcome back. I, welcome to Higher Journeys again for the third time and take it away, sir. I'm going to let you have at it. Let's, let's start with this. I'm just going to say the word Betty and you tell me what that means. Well, and thank you for having me a third time. It's a real pleasure to be here and a pleasure to speak to your audience, and I, I appreciate that. Betty uh, is an entity that visited me in my living room in the third week in October of 2017, uh, as stated in my book, Incident at Devil's Den. Um, this, this Betty, whenever I, first, whenever I saw her on that day, uh, I woke up seated in my living room in my favorite chair, seating, seated bolt upright, which I don't normally do, and seated directly across from me in the sofa is a petite, what I took to be a petite Asian woman at first. Um, she wore all black. She wore a black top with long sleeves, two very long sleeves to disguise four very long kind of ugly fingers, to be candid. Um, her legs were crossed, uh, sitting in a non-threatening posture. She wore sturdy, like nursing shoes, also black, but with a thick heel, for sure to compensate for her, for her height. Um, a red scarf around her neck, which was pencil thin. Uh, and she wore a bizarre wig, uh, a black wig that was on kind of askew. And when I saw that, the first thing that crossed my mind, I know it's a stupid thing, but I mean, I, I just woke up. It's 3 a.m. <laughs> I have no fear whatsoever. I have that feeling of calm that I had 
uh, whenever I was abducted in, in 1977. So I'm not freaked out. I'm not, uh, I glance over at the alarm. The house alarm is set. The cat's comfortable. And, uh, you know, I'm down the hall from my wife and I thought about yelling for her, but, you know, I kind of knew they'd have that covered too. So, um, my first thought was, uh, why are you in my living room? And she said, it's nice to see you again, Terry. And I said, it's nice to see you again. Uh, and I, I felt this familiarity and I said, didn't say, I thought we communicate telepathically. I thought to myself, my God, I wish she'd take off that stupid wig because it was obviously a cheap unkempt wig. Uh, and those glasses, she wore large oversized sunglasses. Uh, the way she was dressed with the wigs and the glasses, I mean, had she walked the streets of downtown Dallas, I doubt if she'd drawn a second look. But once she took off those glasses, uh, even before she took off the wig, I recognized her immediately. Now, I referred to her in the book as Betty uh, because she reminded me of Betty Rubble from the Flintstones. Um, but once she took the wig off and the glasses off, I recognized her as being an entity that I knew from my childhood as Sue. Um, I had called her Sue in my childhood, ages four through about nine, uh, when they would intermittently take me. Uh, I called her Sue because of her resemblance to a Japanese lady who lived in back of us, uh, who we all as neighborhood kids called her Sue. So Betty, or AKA Sue, um, spoke to me for the first time in my adult life in October, third week in October, uh, 2017. Um, that's when she told me that the thing in my leg um, that you can see in the x-ray would be removed. And it was on November 17th. I have x-rays to show that. But let me skip forward to my second meeting with uh, Betty, a.k.a. Sue. And that happened November 21st, 2019. Uh, I was in my studio writing, uh, drinking coffee, wide awake. And I became aware of a... Uh, a presence in the room. I felt eyes on me. Uh, I also felt uh, an odd buzzing sensation. Uh, and I turned to my left and she didn't wear a wig. She didn't wear glasses, uh, but she did wear the same black clothing. And I recognized her immediately as being Betty or Sue. And uh, we communicate telepathically. I've never seen her open her mouth, but I can hear her inside my head with crystal clarity. Again, we've never had long conversations. She's never been exactly, you know, taking questions. It's been pretty much her communicating to me what she thinks is important. Um, and my first thought was, my God, it's good to see you again. Um, I feel this kind of odd and inexplicable fondness for her. Um, maybe love 
in a maternal way, not a romantic way, but in a maternal way. I, I feel very close to her. And her response was, it's good, always good to see you, Terry. Um, and I, I asked, well, may I ask, why are you here? And she says, there's some things I want you to know. And our encounter was very brief. Our encounter was on April 1st, there will be a change. On April 1st or? Pardon me, I apologize. I apologize. On February 1st of 2020, Thank you for correcting me. February 1st of 2020, there will be a change. And she then paused and said, on February 2nd, 2020, it will be a new world. Curiously, that's the title of um, Whitley Strieber's book, A New World, uh, in which he talks about uh, mostly about Pine Ridge in South Dakota, where we met um, for the, the conference. And um, I took that at first to be a very positive sign. I thought something will change, a new world. Could that mean, um, you know, disclosure, you know, maybe land on the lawn of the UN? I say that for a particular reason. Um, but then immediately thereafter, I, I, I felt overcome with sadness. I felt very sad. And uh, it's, unusual, it's unusual for me to feel an emotion without being able to tie a cause. You know, there's got to be causation. Uh, and it sunk in that the message that I received may not have been positive at all. It may have been a warning. Um, and by morning, I went back to bed. By morning, I took it to be a very strong warning um, that things were going to change. Now, this was November of 2019. Um, in the first week in December of 2019, I contacted um, a gentleman named Kevin Briggs, who you may, mm -hmm. who you may know. And Kevin and I were with Whitley at uh, Pine Ridge in South Dakota uh, for that conference. And um, I told Kevin, I said, I've, I have a, a visitor and some very strange news. And he said, yeah, he said, uh, there's a message that needs to be out there. And that is that on February 1st, ET will land at the United Nation building and seek an audience with the United Nations. Now, this is not my my uh, my uh, my idea, my prediction. This was this was his, but he shared it with me because he said things are going to change dramatically. And I said, "Well, I was told that things would change dramatically, effective February first, twenty twenty." but I, I didn't know how. And he explained to me that uh, he channels and he explained to me that an entity that he's been channeling since he was 13 or 14 years old told him that the United Nations would land at the United Nations in New York City 
at seeking an audience um, with the United Nations General Assembly. But there has to be a protocol to receive them. Now, a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know it myself, actually, until I did some research. The United Nations has a, they're out of Geneva. It's called the uh, United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs. Uh, and it's been around for two decades. And its purpose primarily is to deal with uh, territorial disputes between nations regarding satellite uh, paths, pathways. Um, and they won't, they don't disclose anything else that, that they do. So I assume that that's their only purpose. I also assume that that would be the right, the right committee to contact if um, this were going to happen. So I, I got the name of the director. I can't think of off the top of my head. And Kevin and I both wrote to this person uh, and said that we expect that there to be a visit by ET at the United Nations on February 1st, 2020. Um, Mr. Briggs and I have both had the same prediction, independent of one another, uh, for the same date. Um, although I didn't have I didn't have New York City but uh, I certainly had February 1st, 2020 as a date that things would change. Um, so I told Kevin about my, uh, my message from Betty that said February 2nd will be a new world. And he said, well, yes, it certainly will be, uh, especially if, if they're allowed to speak, VT is allowed to speak before the General Assembly of the United Nations. You know, I, being a lawyer, I know to look this stuff up, and I looked up the UN Charter, and I read it thoroughly. And other than the establishment of uh, the Office of Outer Space Affairs, there is no protocol on how to accept uh, ET should he arrive. SETI has some limited uh, guidelines, protocol in place for, for welcoming them. Uh, but the United Nations does not. So uh, Kevin said it, it, it's going to be a shame and a missed opportunity if this does not happen. And of course, to our knowledge, it didn't happen. But, you know, in retrospect, how do I know? I was just going to ask that question. What yeah. were you able to find out? And because if I may just interject briefly, this is stunning. I knew nothing about this. Uh, the fact that you are trained as an attorney, you are, you've got research in your blood. Uh, I was very curious to know what you were able to perhaps meet out, even in, in some very, um, I don't know, nuanced conversations. Or what is your sense? Because it, it would seem to me that if this were to happen, <clears throat> excuse me, at the beginning of February, if this uh, arrival and, and, and subsequent uh, uh, in getting in front of the, the uh, General Assembly happened, we certainly wouldn't know about it, I would, I would think, just like these closed-door uh, congressional sessions. Did it perhaps happen, you think? But but I think you're absolutely right. I think it may have happened. I have, we have no way of knowing. I think it would be closed. I don't think it would be an open 
assembly right. thing. Uh, I don't know what nations would be involved, um, but um, not all of them, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, at first I thought, I felt disappointed that we didn't see a news article or, or anything related to it happening. And then, and then I thought, well, who's, and I don't know if this is my thought or not, but I had the very strong thought. How do you know it didn't happen? Exactly. So here's, here's a thought that's coming to mind. This is going in a completely different direction than I had planned, but I, again, always ask, let the conversation go where it needs to go so we can wire ourselves into discovery. And I have a feeling that there is a lot to be discovered. Let's dig in a little bit here. A lot of people, not necessarily me, but but I know conversations have gone on uh, with researchers, various researchers who have said that this pandemic may be a diversion as, as per usual with a lot of events uh, from something else, a distraction from something else that's going on. I have had this sense, and I don't know how to connect these dots, that there is some somehow a connection between this entire period that we're going through. And I'm not just talking about the pandemic. I'm just talking about the overall tumult that this planet has uh, brought us into, not the planet itself, but the circumstances for which we're in. And the, the high strangeness of other worlds has something to do with it. Yes. Let's dig in a little bit. Has that occurred to you at all, Terry, that perhaps, and again, I am not at all alluding to the fact that what we're going through is not real. I'm not going to get into that conversation. I think there's something very real going on, obviously, but there's something else going on. And I'm trying to connect some dots here. And this is the first time I've heard somebody even imply that this could be the case. It's what I refer to as the other shoe to fall. And uh, I, I, I believe that. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, in, in January, January 15th, actually, I can give you the day, I, uh, my wife and I spent $600 on, uh, on uh, food and water. Uh, I installed motion detector lights. I installed an eight-foot stockade fence in the back of my yard. Uh, I felt motivated, uh, almost uh, obsessed with the idea of uh, my family's safety. I, uh, I don't want to sound like a nut, but I, I keep some firearms handy for, I do live in Texas after all, uh, for the protection of my household, the protection of my family. Um, because I am absolutely scared to death that we're going to see ugly, awful, civil unrest. Mm -hmm. I used the term civil unrest in an email to Yvonne Smith and to James Lowe in late, Jan late December. And I said, guys, I don't want you to think I'm an alarmist. I'm not trying to scare people, but something's coming and, and, and you better be prepared. My last public appearance was at UFO Con put on by Laurie and Fenton mm -hmm. in February uh, 12th of uh, 2020. And I alluded to this uh, in, my, in my talk at that time. And uh, I spoke with a lot of people off camera. 
including um, well, Kevin Day sat next to me, and we had an opportunity for a nice long chat, and uh, lots of other people that I, I probably shouldn't name without their permission, but I can tell you that there are a lot of people out there that have this thought. It's more. It's more than just a thought. A thought is just a passing. This, this is something that's, that's real, something that people can feel, something that disturbs their sleep, that sure disturbs my sleep, that we're headed down a very bad path. Um, I predicted and have predicted since January that October, beginning October 1st, would be the beginning, and that the violence would crescendo on the day of the inauguration, that there would be widespread violence on November 3rd, the day of voting, and the day afterward. Um, I have, I've never claimed to be psychic. I've never made psychic predictions in my life. Um, but I will say this, since about mid-2018, I'll call it my intuition. My intuition has been spot on and through the roof. Um, so for what it's worth, I don't see either Joe Biden or Trump at the inaugural. Wow. I, I see someone else. Wow. Let it be noted. I want to say for the record, this is not a political discourse. However, I think I've just relented, Terry, to the fact that whoever I have on this show uh, for the foreseeable future and in the recent past, it's going to come up. But this is a very sobering idea. It's not uh, one that you uh, don't share with others, by the way, some others in, no. in, in very, very uh, close circles that, that has been discussed. I have a sense as well. I, you know, I'm not in the business of prediction. I don't think any of us should be, but when you have a sense that you cannot ignore what I see is something unusual. Let's just put it that way. Coming down the pike, very unusual to the point where I actually pulled some tarot the other day, something that I have kind of gotten into as a hobby in the last couple of months or so. Many of us have picked up hobbies, something I never thought I'd do. But I've been kind of monitoring this vis-a-vis -vis my own intuition. And I get a very sense, you know, we talk about uh, uh, our, the, this sounds scary. I mean, what you're in the tone that you're putting forth is unsettling. And it can be unsettling, but I still feel and I'm going to put this on the record too, that the unsettling is the fact that we're about to head into the unfamiliar like we've never seen before. But on the other side of that, and we don't know how long that bridge is, it's gonna be pretty freaking cool. We just have to get through this. And the this that we're about to get into is going to be monumental. So continue. Now, let me ask you this. So you were saying that back in February, early February, I mean, really just a level set, we really didn't get into, I'm trying to think of the date of the, national emergency uh when it was declared i believe it was mid to late march ish depends on it depends on whose emergency the world health organization declared it a pandemic on march 13th ah okay but when when the president declared the the country in a national emergency it was shortly thereafter right shortly thereafter or shortly before actually no i think it was after thereafter Shortly thereafter, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm unclear. So again, I'm using that as sort of a, 
a chronology, a, a, you know, a point in time. And I, we've, we've got to be somewhat liberal with, you know, I mean, we're talking about things, feelings that we were getting months before. Certainly I was as well coming out of Uluru on the uh, January, mid-January conjunction. I felt instinctively that something big was up. 2020, which we are now in the first month. My, does the time fly? And this conjunction that took place, uh, this so-called shift, we use that word so loosely these days, and yet uh, I don't know that there's any other way we could put it. Uh, because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more. I think it's going to be perhaps a delayed, for, for a lot of people, a delayed effect or effects, series of effects. This is, this is, uh, this is big, guys. So let's carry on, onward. Let's see what unfolds. Expect the unexpected. It's on the record. I did a show. I had to come back and do a show called Expect the Unexpected. You got your, you know, your visit. Whitley has talked about it. We've talked about it. Whitley and I have talked about it. You've talked to Whitley about it. Now you mentioned the UN. How can we thread these things together, Terry? What does non-human intelligence possibly have to do with what's going on right now? from your estimation? I think there's a bigger influence than we're aware of. I also think that there are, and again, you know, I want, I want to be clear to your audience, please. I'm not trying to frighten anyone. I, I really have very little respect for people that sell and peddle fear. That's not my objective whatsoever. Um, but I do want to be absolutely candid with you uh, and truthful about what I've experienced. As far as what ET has to do with this, I really feel that there are competing factions at play here. Um, I feel that I've, I've received some help in that regard. Um, I had the compulsion to stock up on groceries, to make these changes to my house for my own safety, defensively, of course, not offensively. Um, I also had, which in retrospect is a little weird, um, I woke up. Uh, and I had this um, compulsion, obsession with gold. And I thought, boy, I should keep our gold locked up someplace else. And I couldn't get this obsession of gold off my mind. And um, I'm reading, I'm watching TV. Uh, the word gold keeps coming up all day long. I spoke with a friend of mine who's a psychic from Montana. Her name is Phoenix. Phoenix called me and said that she, I was on her mind and that she had a one word message for me that she didn't know if it would make sense or not. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, gold. I, um, <laughs> Not surprised. Not surprised. I sold a great deal of assets. I liquidated a bunch of stock. Luckily, I liquidated a whole bunch of stock. Um, and I bought a large amount of interest in gold and silver. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not advising anyone to do that. I just want everyone to know that I was under this compulsion, wherever it comes from. That's the object of the exercise, the compulsion. It's not advice. Um, but I will say that I had the urge, the inkling, the desire, obsession to sell some stocks that I owned. 
um, and to buy pharmaceuticals. This was on January 31st. On January 31st, I sold GE and a whole bunch of industrials, and I bought Moderna. I bought Gilead. I bought Abbott Labs. And I kept my Tesla. Everything else I liquidated to gold or silver. And that decision made back on January 31st turned out to be the best advice I could have ever received. Now, I'm not a financial guy, you know. I don't read the New York Times every day. I'll watch Bloomberg News on occasion, but where did this come from? Right. I mean, I'm very, I'm grateful. I'm grateful every day for this advice that I get. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it came from my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm just not that smart. I'm not. Well, if Tesla were here, he would have told you the same thing because he admitted, I believe, that he was getting his downloads clearly from uh, the uh, altered consciousness state that he wasn't wasn't coming from him, it was coming through him. So uh, you're in good company. It doesn't well, matter. I will say, and you know, I, 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 I try not to name names in terms of criticizing, and I'm not criticizing, but you do know there's a ton of of controversy about one of those pharmaceuticals that you mentioned and what they're involved with. I do. So we'll just leave that. I'm just going to state that for the record. Um, nonetheless, it's very interesting that you should get this, this insight. I want to go back to Betty because this yes. is where we started the conversation and yeah. conversations or interactions like yours with Betty. Why do you feel that she needed to let you know that the world that we would literally be living in a new world, which indeed we are. Why do you feel she needed to let you know this? Why the heads up? Because um, for the same reason that when I see her, I've seen her twice in my adult life. Uh, I saw her many times as a child and she's not aged or changed today, but I saw her in October, 2017. And I saw her here in my studio, November 21st, 2019. And the only two times I've seen her as an adult. And when I saw her, I felt that affection for her, as I as I stated. Well, I think that's reciprocated. Uh, I think that fondness is is mutual. It's reciprocal. Uh, I believe that at times in my life, she has, like Elan says, um, given me downloads, things that were important to know. Um, gifts. They're gifts that I'm grateful for. I think that I think that Betty wants me to be safe. She wants my family to be safe and she wants my family to be secure. Why? I don't have the slightest idea in my life. All I know is this, that these entities, Betty and others, have been contacting me since I've been age four. Mm. So I think that uh, I have some type of tight connection to her, um, you know, whether she's just my handler or, or more, I don't know. I have no way to know. Um, but, uh, but there's definitely a connection there. Sure. Oh, there has to be. You go into this, I believe in excruciating detail in your 
amazing book, Incident at Devil's Den. Yes. And uh, I recall our conversation a year ago, a couple of them where you brought her up. I know she's had a great impact on your life. I want to talk uh, a little bit about, Terry, some of the associated, I want to call them symptoms because they can be, but sensations, and you have alluded to a couple of them. My juniors know that I've been talking about this a lot since February, uh, having to do with instances of synchronicity bombardment, never mind <laughs> synchronicity, but just off the charts. And I'm so glad that I brought it up. I, I think everyone knows that this is one of my favorite subjects ever, but within the context of what's happening right now. And those of you, and I know there are many of you out there that are hyper aware of patterns like myself have been bombarded with not just one, not two, but clusters of intense synchronicity like yourself, which includes repeating numbers. I mean, this is a conversation that's been going on for years, but it has risen exponentially in the last seven, eight, nine months. Would you concur? Absolutely. Robert Hastings is a friend of mine that we speak about weekly. And Robert Hastings is a big proponent of the triple digit phenomenon that happens. Uh, uh, like in an event, we'll maybe get to where I woke up at uh, 5.55 a.m. Betty appeared before in my study at 3.33 a.m. on the nose. Uh, I've had a very, and I bet that this is common. I bet this is going to, this is going to ring a bell with a lot of people. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't sleep past about 3.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. I get up 3.30 a.m. I wander around the house. I write. I do things. And by five o'clock, I'm exhausted. I can go back to bed. You can go back to sleep. But uh, something about those hours, um, uh, I did have an event, too, that, that I don't think I've mentioned, but I have some photographs of. I went outside at 3.30 a.m. and have no memory of it um, and took some photographs of the moon and some strange photographs uh, and came back inside and went back to bed. Um, now, when I woke up, I didn't remember doing that. But as I woke up and had coffee, I thought, yeah, didn't I wake up? I did wake up. Uh, and sure enough, there was grass in the bottom of my bed that I had tracked in at the bottom of my feet. I know I'd been outside. I had the photographs. Uh, and when was this? How long ago? This would have been September 2019. All sort of in the lead up to. In the lead up to. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about you're getting regressed. And uh, I know that there's, I think, I'm hoping that we'll have enough time to get uh, the story in with the amazing uh, revelation that you traveled six flights up at an ungodly hour. But uh, we're going to go into that in a minute. I'm teasing the audience. But uh, I, I believe that you said that after this incident that you're about to reveal to the audience, you did have a regression. Uh, but in terms of the stuff that's going on now, including your most recent visit with Betty, have you had any regression uh, work done to try to get some additional information about what's going on right now and with you? I, I've had none. Uh, the person that regressed me is, is my probably my best friend. He's an MD. He, he happens to be a psych practice psychiatry. Um, but we haven't met face to face since my regression uh, back in December. Uh, then I was out of town. I was in San, uh, I was in Los Angeles for most of December. I was in San Francisco for February. By the time I got back, COVID was kind of out of control. 
he's 70 years of age and does not want to risk, uh, you know, he's doing all of his practice by, uh, by uh, Zoom. And Zoom, I, he didn't feel was appropriate, the appropriate uh, method to do a regression. So we're gonna have to wait until we can get back together and do that in person. But I did have um, a very amazing regression that I, I forgot to mention was fully recorded. It was recorded both audioly, aud by audio and visual uh, with a camera in his office in Dallas, Texas. Um, he's also board certified, I should add. So he's not, he's not a, an amateur. Uh, interesting guy, just real quick. He, uh, he was taught in medical school, more or less, that people that see UFOs or identify with aliens or delusional or from a Freudian approach are seeing this as a response to some other emotion, uh, you know, or it's indicative of a behavioral uh, disorder. Today, back then, they used different terms. But uh, over the course of his practice, especially in the past six years, he's had so many Credible people sit down and tell him, doctor, I can't tell this to anybody, but I saw a UFO. Doctor, I can't tell this to anybody, but I saw a little man standing inside my room. And what he does is he he, he accepts that information, processes it, makes note of it, and in, you know proceeds to question them. And these people seem rock solid. And they all have they all have some degree of uh, of need. You know, they're in front of a psychiatrist for care for some reason, depression, anxiety, whatever. Uh, but none of these people were psychotic. None of these people were delusional. And that blew him away because collectively he could not account for so many people having experiences with so much commonality and being so truthful and testing as as having no problems with delusions or any kind of psychopathy, that he started attending um, MUFON meetings. And I met him at a MUFON meeting in Dallas. So um, that's how you initially came into contact with him, you're saying? Yes. Interesting. Sounds like he's going down the path that uh, the late Dr. John Mack went down. And hopefully uh, his will continue and not be cut short, as unfortunately Dr. Max was. But First starting out as uh, being dubious, let's just say, to say the least. And and uh, look, after a while, and, you know, psychiatrists are uh, trained to be able to meet out those who are showing instability versus those that are showing steadiness. After a while, you've got to relent. And I can only imagine how much of a head trip that had to be for him. But <laughs> clearly, yeah, it ha had to be. It, it still is for me, frankly, even with my own experiences. We're still trying to get adjusted to a reality that seems strangely unfamiliar to us. However, and I think this is something I brought up in my conversation with Michael Carter last Wednesday, that I think one of the reasons, Terry, why I am so intent on doing some sort of or, or, or understanding if there's a nexus between the strange and unusual, including non-human intelligence, and the time that we're going through is because both have one thing in common, unfamiliarity, unfamiliarity. Both have something else in common, high strangeness. This period that we're living in right now is bizarre. It's not just, I mean, okay, pandemic, it's happened before, um, but all of the things that have come with it, all of the conditions, all of the shifts in lifestyle, including some of the good things, are unfamiliar territory. Um, and so 
as I said, as ubiquitous as the beings I feel have been in our history, and I do feel that they are everywhere, both on terra firma and outside of it, uh, how could they not have some play? I want to be careful in the way I'm saying this because I don't want to give the impression that they're to blame or at, you know behind this. That's not what I'm saying. But there is some sort of a sharing or an understanding or perhaps in some of them a foreknowledge that this was coming. Um, something. They're aware. They have to be. And, and possibly more. Well, I agree with that. And I, and I think it's possible, again, this is just an assumption on my part, you know, that maybe we are in the middle of the struggle. Maybe there are two factions at odds and we're stuck in the middle. I don't know. Um, but you're right about the high strangeness because I've certainly experienced that. And since December, um, I've experienced poltergeistish. Things. Talk about some of that. You mentioned that off air. Share with our audience a little bit of sure, that. Sure, I did. The very first time I had a poltergeistish, poltergeist type encounter was at uh, Roswell, New Mexico, with Yvonne Smith seated at a table when uh, we both stood up to go to lunch. We're a foot and a half away from the table. And a message popped up on her uh, laptop. We both looked at it in unison. As we did, there was a water bottle that was sealed fall over. Boom. But it didn't just fall over. It slammed to the table like something like it had been heavily handed slapped down. None of us were closer than a foot and a half from the table. Nobody was seated on, at the tables on either side of us or in front of us. Um, so Yvonne Smith and I just looked at one another and thought, well, that's a little bit different. Uh, now, that's continued. Um, I mean, it's been episodic. It's been, you know, just every now and then. But since December, there have been a lot of things happen in the Lovelace household, I got to tell you. Can you uh, tell us one more? Sure. Even the most recent, the latest. Oh, the latest, gosh. Uh, couldn't find my wallet. Couldn't find my wallet anywhere. I found it two days later on top of the hot water heater, which is in the garage behind a closed door. Um, I had a series of knocks and bangs from our attic um, that were real unsettling. And I went up the stairs and checked out the attic and um, the uh, insulation in my attic was kind of all disturbed. It was like, half pulled out. It looked like maybe there was an animal up there of some kind. So at great expense, I called a um, uh, exterminator who came out, went into my attic and said, it looks like you've had some kind of activity up there, but there's, it looks like maybe a raccoon, but he said, there's no place for a raccoon to gain access. He said, rats can come in through a very tiny opening, but normally they'll leave behind a calling card in the form of feces or urine to be able to detect them somehow. Uh, but he said, I don't see any of that. He said, I've got a couple places up there that I can plug and I can put some rat traps out for you if you'd like. Uh, and maybe that'll solve your problem. Sure. Well, he did that. Uh, none of the traps have ever tripped, never captured anything. Uh, two nights ago, my wife and I are in our living room uh, watching television, and we heard right over our heads. And I'm like, what was that? 
And my wife's like, go check it out. Go check it out. Go check it out. To me. You check it out, like, not me. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Yeah, right? Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I did what any Texan would do. I grabbed a gun and <laughs> I went upstairs and turned on all the lights and uh, nothing. Nothing been disturbed. Nothing fell off. Nothing. Nothing. Nobody to account for that. Um, just and, and, and then an assortment of things that go missing, like my wallet, and come up in places unexpected. Um, the television in our living room has turned itself on twice in the past eight months. Hmm. Uh, once in June, and yeah, in May, May and June, uh, middle of the night, you know, we woke up with the television on. That's never happened before. I want to bring something up before we wind down. And by the way, journeyers, we will be taking this conversation over to our Patreon platform because Terry has more to share with us. And I might add uh, some of the things that he's going to share. uh, This venue may not be completely appropriate for. So uh, just a little heads up there. But before we go there, we're going to have a few more minutes here. You're talking, we're talking broadly about this idea that what is coinciding with the period that we're going through that is also strange in and of itself are instances of high strangeness, instances of increased paranormal activity, increased sensitivity, increased psychic proclivity. Part of the big conversation, I think, Terry, that's been going on in our circle of high strangeness and people that study it is this idea that the planet itself is shifting, that the magnetosphere is shifting. There have been a uh, numerous reports of the Schumann resonance, which uh, you may be familiar with. Fluctuations have been happening for a long time, it's true. Uh, But uh, it's said that these fluctuations have been really erratic uh, of late. There's some very odd cosmological behavior happening. And just like the moon affects the tides and indeed us, could it be that these fluctuations are affecting activity like what you're talking about, activity like our increased synchronicity. I mean, all of this to me goes together. Are we moving, and I pose this quite I posed this question many times before, into uncharted territory, i.e. another dimension? Well, I, you know, I, I I'll say this. Since February, I've had a heightened sense of acuity. Uh I felt sharper mentally than I felt in a long time. Um, I don't know where that came from. Maybe that's another gift. I don't know. But yeah, something is changing. I'm I'm changed. I feel changed. I feel like a different person since January first of 2020. So I hear you. Ditto. By the way, these are the things that I have been, uh, as they come to me, putting out to the audience. And I know we're going to get a lot of great comments uh, from the journeyers on this one. A lot of people, a lot of people are feeling this exacerbation of these features, let's just say broadly, because everybody's situation is different. But I'm finding a common thread in mental acuity, psychic acuity, synchronicity, upheaval, uh, all sorts of things. Let's talk about ear buzzing. I can't let you go until we approach that. I'm calling it ear buzzing. I've called it white noise. As a matter of fact, Terry, I'm so sorry that I was supposed to be on a panel over the, the weekend, Portal to Ascension. Shout out to you. I hope you guys had a great Portal to Ascension conference uh, 2020. I was supposed to be on an experiencer panel on Saturday and I 
had to back out. Why? The noise in my ears that have been sustained since February 24-7 was about as loud as it's ever been. I couldn't focus, couldn't concentrate, and I had to back out. Yeah. Many, 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 many people, both from my show as well as individuals I know personally, have said that they're having a very, very similar anomaly happen. I'm talking about something that I would roughly describe as a white noise. I have it right now as I can hear it through my headphones. I can hear it. Very, very unnerving. Subtle vibration. There seems to me like an inner ear subtle vibration to this. I think I'm an expert on on uh, tinnitus in that uh, I, I I had irreparable uh, damage to my hearing when I was active duty because I was on a flight line where there were a lot of aircraft uh, and we weren't given hear, hearing hearing protection. So I do have tinnitus. Uh, my hearing loss is great. This is different than tinnitus. I have that too. So Very I can tell the difference. I can tell absolutely tell the difference. Uh, it's not a ringing, it's more of a buzz. And there's a, there's a, to me, there's almost a vibration to it. Um, sure, I would say so. You know, it, it, I've struggled to describe it because there's no way I can, if I could just take a tape recording of my inner ear and play it for you, that would make it so much easier. But by virtue of the way other people are describing it, have described it in their own experience, it sounds very similar. I would equate it to snow. Remember in the olden days before cable on television, when we lost signal, we'd get a snow. Obviously the white noise would be visual as well as the sound of snow. Cause it's not, you're not tuning in. That's what it sounds like to me. That's another way I would describe it. Both ears, 24-7, the only thing that fluctuates is the loudness. It's always there. And, you know, just real quick, uh, number one, I agree with that. Number two, do you know that there's, you know what that white noise is? There were two General Electric scientists in the late 60s. They won the Nobel Prize for this. They discovered that that white noise is heard from every direction throughout the universe. That white noise that you hear when you tune it in on an old old school television set is the background noise of the Big Bang. Hmm. I can't recall the scientists' names, but that's um, the theory. In other words, that's the uh, theory. That's more than theory. I think that's accepted physics uh, doctrine. Hmm. Okay. So, what's coming out here? And I you know, look. This is another one of those mega mysteries, like what the hell? I mean, you know, there are people that are talking about, could it be some form of technology that may be, that our bodies are not accustomed to, we're trying to get adjusted to, uh, and it's just too much. Could it be this? Could it be that? It's something, it's happening to a lot of people, and it is not unrelated to what is happening right now. We've got a bunch of puzzle pieces on the table that are all out of order, and I think it's incumbent upon us to at least attempt to put some of them in order. I agree. I have one more to add, if I may, real quick. Absolutely. I have a couple good friends in the NDR community. And we talk now and then, and we talked back in December, and uh, this one friend of mine who had had two NDR experiences from the same event um, says that within the NDR near-death experience community, there's a sense of growing sense of anxiety and growing sense of, uh, of uh, impending change 
was the word they use, impending change. So if there are any NDR experiencers. Or NDE, um, you mean. NDE, did I say NDR? Yeah, no, yeah no, I think no. you invented a new one. I invented a new one, Or yeah. near-death researchers would be NDR, but we know what you're talking about. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> near-death experiencers. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that community may have something to add to this conversation. Absolutely. This would go, I would say, along with the extraordinary research of Free and Ray Hernandez. I'm sure you're familiar with that camp. I don't know that Free is still assembled as it used to be, but the idea of there being uh, multiple contact modalities and how these anomalies sort of crisscross out-of-body experiences with near-death experiences, with contact encounters, with shamanic journeys, etc. Uh, they all seem to leave the experiencer with a measure of insight into the invisible that others don't have. So for you to say that, I'm not surprised at all. My, I'm not surprised at all. Wow. Yes, I had what my NDE friend gave me one piece of advice. He says, well, I'll tell you how you know when you're dead because the buzzing will stop. <laughs> I thought that's, I don't know if that was said in jest, um, but I don't think so. The buzzing will stop as if to say that they're, that because not everybody has it. Not everybody has it. Not everybody. Hears Do you it. have I, it? Yes. Yes. I have the tinnitus. And how long have you had it? The buzzing. But not the tinnitus, the buzzing. No, 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 not tinnitus. I'm talking about the buzzing because they're two distinctly different things. Absolutely, they are. Yes. June of 2018. It's about to begin. Yeah. Have you attempted to dial it down? Forgive the, the pun. Because <laughs> I have a feeling we're dialing into some kind of a signal. But have you tried? Have you try to some things to mitigate the uh, the sound or do you just live with it no i meditate every day uh and i meditate on the sound and and try to reduce it and i think as i, I do i do I, as well I, I have some some good some days i have very good results from that uh right. but most of the days it's a it's a subtlety but it but it's a noticeable subtlety mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right journeyers there you have it yet another one of us that are uh, going through these very, very curious uh, symptoms and feelings, these visceral sensations. Uh, we are, as I've said before, we have skin in the game. I think we have, uh, I don't want to use the word deserve to know or right to know. There's another, We because we are so linked to this, I feel that it is incumbent upon us to know what's going on. And it is certainly incumbent upon us to put these puzzle pieces together with no guarantee that we will be able to complete the puzzle. But at least if we get it started, uh, we'll be the better for it. So that being said, before we sign off and go on over to Patreon, because you're going to give us the juice, the private journey, I hope uh, you all will come on over to uh, Higher Journeys. I always say this, patreon.com forward slash Journeys. Let me put this banner up again so you can know where to go. Uh, also, you get a chance and an opportunity to support Higher Journeys to help keep us on the air. And for that, I'm always grateful. Tell us where, tell us what, what what's next for you? What's happening, particularly given the constraints that we have right now on travel and so forth? How are you getting creative and putting your stuff out there to the people? Well, what I've done is... Um... 
in the back of my book, Incident at Devil's Den, I left a uh, email address and said, look, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, but if you'd like to share an experience, do so. I'll respond to every email and respect your anonymity. I had no idea. <laughs> I just received my 1,400th email. Uh, it's a daily obligation that I get up, make my coffee, and I, and I answer each and every one of these individuals. But there's been a change, uh, and that is that since about November of 2019, I've been receiving these messages from people, these emails. That they, they, and, and you know, there's a thread of commonality that's so cool that runs through that they all, they all start with the first paragraph that's a disclaimer. Uh, I think you and I talked about the disclaimer earlier. Uh, they always start with, now, please don't think I'm crazy. I wasn't high. I wasn't on drugs. You know, I've never had a head injury. I, I mean, they, they add this disclaimer paragraph at the very beginning. And then they proceed to tell me the most amazing stories. And I can tell you one, if I don't know how much time we have. Uh, but I, I why, don't received... why don't we save that for, for the after show? Cause we got, sure. yeah. Cause we're a little over right now, but cause yeah. you know, I could listen to your stories all, all day, all day. You've got so many. So pause on that. We're going to save it <laughs> for the after show. Come on over everyone. So we can continue the conversation. Terry, do you have a website? I do. I have an ill-kept uh, website. It's <laughs> Terry, terrylovelace.com. Very uh, easy. Yes, it's totally out of date, but it does have my book, and it does have some amazing photographs that you may have never seen before, including the x-rays of the implants in my leg, a hand drawing that I made in 1978 of the craft that took us in 1977, um, and just a variety of very interesting images. So please visit. I also have uh, Incident at Devil's Den on Facebook. Um, my, Terry Lovelace doc, my Terry Lovelace Facebook page, I can't accept any more friends on, unfortunately. I've hit my limit. But, so, but hit me up on Incident at Devil's Den on Facebook. I try to always post my shows and, and things ahead of time so you'll know where to find me. Excellent. Thank you, Terry. Oh, man. Get ready. Buckle up, folks. Buckle up, Terry. I, you're already buckled up. I can tell. You can't see the seatbelt, but I know it's there. And I love the fact that you wear that seatbelt with pride and still with a smile on your face. And that's why I love you. You're, you're the man. Continued Godspeed to you. Keep us posted, please. Because I know that we're, you know, I was saying months ago, we're, you know, we're only at the tip of the iceberg. I believe we're now in the iceberg, but we're still at the top. So we got some depth to go. And I know somehow, some way, I always say, regardless of how crazy it seems, the universe is in charge and universe is all good. I feel universe knows exactly what it's doing. So at the end of the day, let's trust in that. Right. So, Absolutely. All right. Terry, thanks, man. Hang with me. Don't hang up. I'm going to say goodbye to the journeyers and hopefully, hopefully I will see you right on over on Patreon. That's how your journey's on Patreon. We'll talk I'll to you soon. Bye. Thank you.